The following podcast you're about to listen to is brought to you by the Push Start Media Network, where everything you do in life begins with Push and Start. To another edition of the Sport Your Enthusiasm podcast. I am your humble host, Bryce Benjamin, along with a guy being brought today via satellite, my guy, Ed Reuter. What's good, my dude? That's awesome, buddy. That was a great intro. That was better. Via satellite. I wish I could be there with you in the room, but uh, this is this is the modern world that we live in. I guess it's uh, it's going to have to be from a distance right now. Hey, man, we got to make it do how it do, man. We're going to make it work, though. You know, got a oh, new, for sure. new USB mic so the people can hear me clear. Oh, you sound great. Yeah, likewise. Likewise, man. You sound great. And what's nice for me is I don't have to look at all that Raven shit that you have in your room right now. Actually, right? you do. Um, if you if you look at my camera and you look behind me. Okay. I see a little bit there. I, I can I can deal with Ray yes, Lewis. Sir. What I can't deal with is all those those little chumps from over the years that you think are great players <laughs> and all that. I can't deal with that. So I'm I'm here. I'm live from the man cave. I've got all my Cleveland Indians gear around me. I've got Miami Dolphins gear around me. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'd, you might want to come back to this room so you can actually feel like a winner around Baltimore Ravens I, stuff, you know? I, I like tend to agree with you when I'm there in the room because it's like Ravens stuff and I feel like I'm, I'm out of my element and I'm here. I'm around my guys. Man, we might go at it today, buddy. Hey, man, this is all love. This is a love podcast today, man. That's fine. You know? right, we'll keep it. We'll keep it love. We'll keep it love. All right. I respect it. All right. So uh, what we wanted to kind of get into today is a couple of um, topics, a couple of discussions and uh, kind of wanted to lead this this episode off on what happened uh, over the last, what, 48 hours now, where um, we had a bunch of different teams from different sports decide to uh, protest or strike or however you want to call it and sit out games uh, like like playoff games. And, and it, I mean, dude, like I was kind of shocked, like it, it kind of all started yesterday with the with the Milwaukee Bucks when uh, they decided to sit out their game five matchup against the Orlando Magic. And um, I know the Boston Celtics and Toronto Raptors were having a discussion. And reason why they're sitting out these games was um, in, in response to the uh, the shooting, the uh, police shooting of, uh, of uh, uh, Jacob Blake. And um, it was, it was kind of shocking to, to see like a movement like that, like such a mass movement happen over – like literally all the four major sports groups. Um, and uh, it, I'm not going to lie, dude, like it popped up on my, on my phone and I'm sitting there reading it and I'm like, this is like happening. You know what I mean? Well, the first thing that I heard was when uh, it made the most sense for Milwaukee to out and start with the protests there, uh, having everything had transpired in Wisconsin. But uh, it, it was pretty it was pretty unbelievable to see in the past, you know, people were upset over just a simple kneeling before the game. Right. Okay. And now they, they took it to an entirely different level here where they actually decided to protest and, you know, boycott games entirely. And what I thought was incredibly interesting was the fact that it went across 
all major sports during the, the playoffs, no less. So Milwaukee made a lot of sense with the Bucks. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers made a lot of sense. Uh, but to see it trickle down across uh, hockey, to see it trickle down through uh, several other baseball games being canceled today, I believe there were seven of them on tap for today, uh, several NHL playoff games being canceled. And as you were talking about the basketball games uh, that were that were postponed. So uh, incredibly interesting. And furthermore, aside from just the postponement today, there was real talk that they might cancel the rest of the playoffs over it in the yeah. NBA. And I think it just came out recently, just before uh, we're recording here, that they've decided to move forward. So um, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts kind of on the entire situation now that we've kind of given a recap of, of what's been going down. I'm, I'm kind of interested to see your take on it. Yeah. So you and I, we was planning to do this episode yesterday and like the protests, like they broke out and I was like, yo, let's, let's be like, let's give it a day. Let's see how this plays out and just gather a little bit more information. And um, like, for me, like my own personal opinion on it, it gave a sense of of pride. Honestly, it gave a sense of like, okay, I'm 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 proud to be a fan of sports, and I'm a I'm proud to be a fan of these players and teams that decided to uh, do this and send a message. Um, I remember I had posted something on Twitter, and then uh, somebody had asked me, okay, well, you know, what's the point? Why are you what you know? What are they going to accomplish with this? And, you know, I responded like, okay, the point really is to, to voice their opinion, to, to use their platform to send a powerful message that what's going on in this country, around, the, around this country consistently is not okay. The, the, the consistent uh, murders of black men and black women too um, by the police, by the, the police force that's supposed to be protecting the people. And we consistently see it all the time you see it on social media you see it in the news and these players the predominant like the nba is 80 percent, 85 percent black and they see this on the news as well and like it just kind of sums up the pain that the black community is feeling and they express that with saying like listen this shit has been going on too long we're tired of it happening and we're not going to be entertaining you guys the same people that are saying that, you know, well, the cop is justified for doing it or, you know, the black person, these, these people had it coming to whatever it may be, whatever the rhetoric may be. We're not going to be entertaining you people if this shit keeps happening and we're going to be possibly even take it a step further than that. So for me, it definitely gave a sense of pride. Um, it definitely gave a sense of like togetherness. Like I felt like it's, it's, it's not just, the little people it's not just the, the lower level people that voices aren't being heard these nba players who have a platform are getting the voices that can't be heard out there and um yeah it was, it was a beautiful statement to me man um how about yourself what how did you what was your reaction and how do you feel about it well the first the first thought process after after watching the video um you know it's it's mixed emotions for me across the board um, you know, obviously, I think it's without question that there is a problem across the board uh, with police violence in general in this country. I think that um, we have an incredibly heightened police state in this country versus other countries that are around the world. I think that the police have uh, a lot of power over using deadly force more so than they do in other countries just in general. Uh, with that being said, you know, to me, when I watch that video, uh, I also recognize that the police have a very 
difficult and dangerous job where there are people that are in some instances, you know, out to hurt them. And I, I think that this is a nuanced situation where it's very difficult to kind of break down on a situation by situation basis. Well, did this guy deserve it? And did this guy happen to be black? While there is systemic racism without question through, through the entire, uh, the entire system. So it's, it's, it's a difficult period of time because I think what you said it, what you said kind of put it best is that they're, they're using their platform to raise awareness of this problem. I think it's, as I reflect on this, because I do give this a lot of thought before I just start speaking about it, the thing that that kind of touches me about all of this is I'm, uh, you know, being a white male, I feel like I'm coming from a position of privilege where I can even think about this as a nuance, right? Because there are people that are living this experience that don't have the the privilege or they don't have the ability to consider it just a, a nuanced issue. This is something they're facing every single day. Right. And and what I was first thinking about this was, okay, what, like you were saying, I, I might've had very similar comments to, to, to your friend who said, uh, well, what are they exactly trying to do here? Uh, what exactly is the point of the boycott? What will that accomplish? Okay. And I think about that as a person, you and I have both had discussions about this, you know, off air. And we've, we've both said that we're very in the know about this. We follow this, right? Uh, there are a lot of people that don't, there are a lot of people that don't follow social media. There are a lot of people that don't follow the news on these topics. So to see it in a way where it's in your face, because it's, it's playoff basketball, you've got millions of households that would otherwise be watching this. Now, suddenly it's off, you know, hundreds of thousands of households watching the NHL playoffs, not, you know, quite as popular as the NBA, but, you know, quite a few people watching there too. Suddenly hockey's off, right? People that otherwise wouldn't be tuned into this issue are now, you know, kind of confronted with it. And it, it it's kind of a, a way for them to, to see and to hear from perhaps some of their heroes, some of the people that they look up to uh, kind of putting that issue on display. Right. So I guess the question that I have for you left after all of this is, do you think it will ultimately lead to good? Like, so this, this country, the way it operates, the news cycle, it's this 24 hour news cycle. It's like tomorrow's another day and there's going to be some other crazy shit that's going on tomorrow. And this will kind of be off the radar for a minute. So do you, what do you ultimately think not should it have happened? Cause I, I like that it happened, right? I like that this went down. I like that they put this on display, mm-hmm. uh, but moving forward now, three days from now, five days from now, a week from now, do you think this will have made any change or anything will have come from this? So the real change is going to happen. It's going to take a long time to happen. All right. The real change is going to take a while to happen. So does this have any effect on the future? I think it does. I think it's, again, it raises, it uh, raises awareness to the situation was going on because literally like, we're in, we're, in a, we're in a pandemic where everybody's at home and the comfort that we usually get is from like the real world is sports. You know, we're all able to come, we're able to sit down, we're able to talk about sports while well, I watch sports and then talk about it. So when that just abruptly stops, <laughs> like, like you said, this is playoff basketball, playoff hockey, like you're in the middle of the baseball season and play just literally stops for two days. Also the WNBA, they also sent a strong message as well. And they just stopped their play. So you just stop all sports to go and display this message of 
we're tired of seeing our brothers and sisters getting murdered on the street on a consistent basis. And this needs to stop. I think that has to open up. It, it, it creates awareness. You know, right. Even the people that were trying to ignore it are noticing that now. Okay. The people that maybe were seeing it and were agreeing with it, maybe empowers them to feel a little bit more empathetic or sympathetic to be able to listen to what's going on, to be able to open up their minds, open up their hearts. And hopefully this leads to the change that needs to be made. This leads to the destruction of systemic racism. This leads to uh, the putting in laws in place where hate crimes are, 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 are actually punished. You know what I'm saying? Like police reform actually takes place uh, more training. Um, we get political figures in office that are willing to make these changes and bring this this country back together, bring this country together for everybody to feel safe, not just a, a, a select group of people. And um, hopefully, I'm hoping and uh, that the, it can be uh, leads to to greater change and uh, better outcomes. That would that would be great, man. I mean, that's that's obviously what I think. You know, at some level or another, everybody's really rooting for is that we can get outside and to the other end of this little ugly tunnel we've been going down, I'd say, for for the last six months. And I think it's it's interesting that you brought up the fact that this is all going down during the, the COVID-19 pandemic, because I think that plays a large part in this. Uh, I think you have people that, are, that have been to a large degree locked inside. Uh, I think people are frustrated in general. And I have no doubt that that's leading to part of the, the way that people are responding to these different issues on on both sides right and you know at at first you could you could accuse some of these things as just grandstanding right or taking an opportunity to put themselves on a pedestal and and look at me uh but throughout this entire period what's different for me this doesn't sound like you know athletes being uh prima donnas or or look at me look at what we're doing uh there's a lot of things like like virtue signaling that you'll see online. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term, but that's essentially just like putting things out there that are like, look at me, I'm doing good things, right? right. Even though there's no real impact on anything, you're putting it out there that you're a great person, right? But some of the things that I've seen in, in the last few months leading up to this, right? Uh, there was one really touching moment that for me kind of puts this all in perspective. Like there was a guy uh, you might have heard of him, uh, Drew Brees, uh, a quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. He's, yeah, I think I've heard of him before. You might have heard of him once or twice, right? Well, <laughs> he came out, and although he was trying to say the right things, right, about the military and otherwise, saying that he, he had uh, his his family members had served, so he res he respects the flag a lot. Uh, the fact that somebody even like that, who shares a locker room with so many of these players that have felt the the, the problems and the, and the injustices that, you know, they're talking about the fact that he could come out and be so tone deaf as to say that he didn't agree with those, those protests and to hear a player like Malcolm Jenkins respond, right? There yeah. was nothing, there was no ounce of grandstanding or look at me or virtue signaling with Malcolm Jenkins at all. It was like a, a heartfelt loss that he felt that, that a teammate of his, that a guy that he really cared about didn't, um, didn't feel the same way that he did, didn't have his back in that situation. And, I think there is some learning there, right? Because I think through that experience in, you know, hearing and, and sure it's one example, it's anecdotal, but I think you can see some change there in that person in Drew Brees, right? He might have a different perspective. And I'm hoping that that's what this can do for people out there as a whole, 
when they see a different perspective, when they see something that's not the norm, like playoff games just not happen. When have you ever heard of something like that? Right. Seriously. I, I, not, not in my memory. And yeah. It, it, it legit. I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, this okay. was, this was history in the making. Like we, we was a part of history right there. Like literally they just stopped. Like, you know, one team, the Milwaukee Bucks started it by saying, listen, we didn't like what happened. And you know, the shooting that happened recently was the, uh, was in Kenosha, uh, Wisconsin, the same state that the Milwaukee Bucks play in. And they went out and said, yo, listen, um, they had a conference call in their locker room with the uh, the state leaders. And they talked about this and they let them know what was going on and how they felt about that situation. And, and, and this is another thing real quick. It's not just the shooting. It's not just the protest of that, that particular shooting that happened um, a, f- a couple of days ago. It's, it's about everything. It's about the whole systemic racism. It's about previous shootings. It's about Breonna Taylor. It's about Tamir Rice. You know, it's about it's about uh, uh, Floyd. Like all of, all of these that we've seen consistently and keep seeing, and like we, there's literally tons and tons and tons and tons of history behind it. That's what it's all about, and it's about preventing this shit from happening in the future. Absolutely, and I think that you know. There are all these things like human beings, I think, in general, we're very reactive creatures, right? It's very easy to see one thing happen and then react to it. And then another thing happen and react to that. And then two days later, it's a new thing that happens and we're reacting to that. Right. I think you you hit the nail on the head when you said that, you know, it's not just about this last incident. Right. It's about everything else that came before it. And what I'm hoping is that a, a wide scale boycott or protest like this, it can it can only serve to kind of fix the problem as a whole. Um, it can stop these things from happening in the future versus just reacting to every single time something does happen. Right. And I think that's where if, if I have had any critique and I would absolutely love to hear your opinion on this afterwards of the movement in general. Right. Like the Black Lives Movement. Um, Black Lives Matter movement and the recent boycotts of these games. If I have any critique, because I I, I want to be on that team that says end racism immediately. What I see right now is it's it's a it's a freight train that's moving, but it, to me it seems like it's off the tracks. Do you, do you know what I mean when I say that? Because it seems to me like there there's not any centralized message, and it's like right now they're trying to solve a hundred problems at once. Because believe me when I tell you. A hundred problems do exist, no doubt about it. But it's like, I just feel like it's it's very widespread and it's not like an organized message. And I think with that, some of that message gets lost. Do you, yeah. you see what I'm saying? So and I'm wondering, I'm kind of wondering your take on that. Yeah, um, I, I get what you're saying. And I felt like with with the Black Lives Movement and a lot of these different protests and things like that, the energy isn't focused. The energy is sporadic. So yes. you got you got the protests going on here. You got the boycotts going on here. You got, you know, rioting going on here and things of that nature there. Right, right. And I get it. I get the outrage. We're pissed off. You're tired of this shit happening. I 100% get it. But um, one of my favorite uh, uh, political activists um, and Killer Mike, when uh, the, the George Lucas uh, murder had happened, when he had came on camera and, you know, a very help, a heartfelt message when he's saying that, you know, this is not the time to be going out and rioting. This is the time to mobilize. This is the time to strategize and organize and f- push the energy in the, the correct direction. And 
you know, send out the message that needs to be heard, not the one that, um, you know, the media see a couple of people doing, and then they just run with that. So I think a lot of times that the message is lost in the media. And I think a lot of times it gets lost in us. So it's one of those things where in, in this, in this movement to end racism, to end systemic racism, and to have the justice that these people deserve, you gotta be a clear direction and we gotta have everybody on board with that direction and don't get sidetracked from other shit. Don't let other people hijack that message into something else. And a lot of times we have, I mean, we've seen our own president do it with the Colin Kaepernick kneeling. Like Colin Kaepernick was kneeling. He explained why he was kneeling. And then Donald Trump turned into a whole different thing. You know what I'm saying? That had nothing to do with what he was talking about. So we can't let that happen consistently because it seems like it always does. And that's, and that's obviously a strategy on the other side is it's right. always it's always been divide and conquer, right? Um, especially when you have a strong, uh, a strong message uh, that divide and conquer plays right into the other side's hands. And, and that's the thing that I've been seeing so far is that there are so many things to go afterwards, right? Injustice, uh, you know, systemic racism with the police, uh, unfair house uh, mortgage lending, right? Um, unfair wages. Uh, there, Job opportunities. Job opportunities. Period. Yeah. There's a thousand and one things that you could go after, and it seems like so far, exactly. You 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 nailed it when you said there's this outrage, right? And I, I totally understand that, right? And I I can't feel that myself as someone who's never experienced all the things, but I can certainly empathize and understand where it's coming from. It's just that, um, you know, that rage. Sometimes rage can be a powerful thing when it's mm-hmm. when it's centralized. And I think what I what I haven't seen, you, you mentioned Killer Mike, you mentioned some of these athletes. Um, I haven't seen a big presence from from other leaders in the community that have stepped up, that have taken the reins of this of this like wild stallion, right? And kind of, you know, pulled it under control and guided it in a specific direction. Like, okay, here's what we're doing. It's about this. It's about police reform, right? I think that to me, first and foremost, is where this is at, right? Uh, police reform. That seems to be the most immediate danger and the, mo- and the biggest and most large scale immediate problem. So move in that direction. And then, you know, once you've made strides there, then yes, okay, branch off, education, lending, jobs. Uh, th- there's so many things that need to be fixed. And right now it's like, everything's being attacked all at once without any centralized message. And I just feel like it's all this rage slipping away and going, you know, kind of off the rails, going, go off the yeah. rails and going, yeah. and going nowhere as a result. Right. And in the meantime, you have people on the other side that are picking it apart, only showing the worst things, only showing the worst of the worst, where that rage spirals out of control. Like you were talking about, you know, somebody riots and, you know, you have thousands of peaceful protesters and, and a handful of rioters, and who are they showing on the news? Well, of course, right. the rioters, right? Right, right. So it's that's like, what gets the ratings, yeah. Right, right. And that's, and that's what I was talking about earlier with the 24, with that 24-hour news cycle where they've got to fill 24 hours worth of news. They're, they're looking for any negative headlights, mm-hmm. uh, um, negative headlines that are out there. And of course, in any group of people, you're going to have people that are out there to cause trouble, right? And I mean, uh, it's, it's just a shame that there's no centralization of this message and i'm just i'm just waiting for somebody to step up and take the bull by the horns and just just lead this thing you know but that's the thing also though Ruder, is that there are people that's doing specifically what we're talking about but they're not the ones that's getting the media clout they're not the ones that they're putting on these these shows and they're not showing it in the media because it's not the message that needs that they want to display 
right. with these media circles. You know what I'm saying? So where where can maybe maybe like the listeners go? Where can I go? Where can people go to hear the good messages? I mean, do you have anywhere out there where you, you're thinking to yourself, okay, you've you've heard it yourself. Obviously, there there are great people out there, and there are great people doing great things, but they're not being heard. So how do we how do we hear these people? So there are several different programs. There are several different people that are that are doing these. And I'll bring up these programs and stuff like that when I get a chance to, to show you what I'm talking about here. Um, it's just one of those things where we got to be able, and, and I should be doing this as well. I wish I had the list on in front of me right now. We should be able to be able to use our platform to be able to display that message, to get the good out there of where people can go and, you know, have allies and be able to, um, um, help out this, this situation, help out this problem. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'm definitely going to, I'm definitely, when, when I get a chance to, I'm going to pull up these programs here for you and be able to talk to you about it and everything of that nature there. And then hopefully uh, in a future episode, be able to uh, list those off as well. So that way we can uh, hopefully get some progression moving forward. That sounds great, man. And I'd love to see some of that on our, on some of our uh, social media presence. I'd love to see some of that, you know, putting that message out there. Um, you know, this is maybe a time where, where that's a worthwhile venture, right? You know, you, you know, you and I like to keep it light. We like to keep it fun. Uh, you know, we have, you know, polls and, uh, you know, questions and kind of fun things that we like to, but maybe this is a time where you know, we step up a little bit. We start putting some of that, that message out there where we can hear some constructive and some positive uh, members coming out of this movement. And to me, it's, you're exactly right. That's not the message that's going out there. And it, it's further worsened by the fact that people people have strong confirmation bias right now. They're going out there looking to hear not news, not things that are different or what's actually going on, but they're they're going out there looking to hear their own opinion being confirmed, right? And you know, I'm just as guilty of that as anyone else. But I, I'd love to hear some different perspectives, and uh, that's why it's so great talking to you about this, man. It, it really is because it's um you know it, it allows you to see everything from all angles. You know, I think that's really important. Yeah, man, that's a fact. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm glad you're willing to listen and you're glad to be a part of it. You know what I'm saying? Not too many people are like that. That's the thing that that's another thing we're trying to work on. Um, having people being open to that dialect, being open to that conversation, hearing it, and then being able to, okay, you make a valid point. What do you need me to do? And I think that's the, one of the, the steps that need to be taken moving forward. Uh, hopefully in this in this uh, revolution so kind of go from there man um all right so let's move on let's move on to something uh, a little more lighthearted. i like to say and uh we have you had mentioned this topic and uh it kind of had caught steam this happened what about a week ago with uh the, my man tartis tartis yeah, fernando? yeah absolutely for, for our man fernando there he's uh He's a, a sensation, uh, an incredible young player for the San Diego Padres, uh, currently leading the MLB in home runs. And uh, he, he caught himself in the in the limelight the other day and not necessarily for the best reason. Um, did you want to talk about it or, or shall I? What do you think? I mean, you're the baseball expert and oh. um, I, I looked into it, but oh. um, I'm going to let you lead the way on this one here and I'm going to chime in here and there. Okay, strong, strong words there. The baseball expert. Wow, I that's, mean, you, that's high praise. You, you're the baseball expert in my eyes, Ed. Okay, so I guess I if there's, I guess if there's two of us, and I know more than you, that makes me the expert, right? Is that how that works? <laughs> you're, you're an expert in my heart. I like that. I like that a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> so here is a, a classic, a classic, classic clash of old school mentality 
versus uh, the kind of let the kids play type of movement. All right. So what we had was a situation where the San Diego Padres were winning uh, by seven runs. Okay. The bases were loaded uh, and there was a 3-0 count on Fernando Tatis. So these, these old school unwritten rules of baseball, they would say, okay, you don't swing on 3-0 when you're already up seven runs. Okay. And sure enough, my man Fernando, he, he's not playing by those old school rules. He took a hack at that 3-0 pitch, and I'll be damned if he didn't put that thing somewhere in the middle of the bleachers out there in right field and uh, hit a grand slam, putting them up 11 on a 3-0 count. Well, the manager of the other team comes out pissing and moaning and this and that, and suddenly, uh, you know, he's still celebrating with his teammates, but he walks by his own manager who kind of ghosted him and didn't celebrate with him. And then he gets a talking to from one of his own teammates, uh, Eric Hosmer, who's a guy who I really liked. I saw him kind of berating him on the bench a little bit for it. And here's this kid, you know, 22 years old, leading the league in home runs. He's the new face of baseball. It's amazing. And, and there he is just getting chastised for doing what? Hitting a grand slam uh, to put his team up even more runs. And where, where I'm coming from with this is just those old school you know, unwritten rules of baseball that say don't swing on the 3-0 pitch. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, if you don't want a guy hitting a grand slam on you, how about first, don't load the bases, right? <laughs> how about don't get 3-0 after you've loaded the bases? And this shit won't happen, man. I think it's ridiculous. And, and my last point on it before I'll let you chime in is what, like, what exactly is a team supposed to do? Just let the other team get back into it. Like, no, don't swing on 3-0. Just let them come back. The, the year before, okay, the Padres themselves gave up leads of seven and 10 runs. On two different occasions, they gave up leads of more than seven runs. Just the other day, my Indians, the very best pitching team in baseball, by a wide margin, gave up seven runs in one inning. That can happen all the time. So I think, you know, you don't want those runs scored on you pitch better you know what i mean that's that's where i'm at with it so uh i think it's it's unbelievable the the backlash he got but it's been very cool afterwards a lot of guys have come out in support of him saying yo do your thing do your thing nando you know do your thing mm -hmm. uh and uh i'm i'm very much in that camp so yeah um when i first heard about this happening and all right so baseball and a lot of baseball purists correct me if i'm wrong they like to hold on to traditions, right? Like it, it's the tradition of baseball, the unwritten rules and, you know, things of that, say, you know, of that nature there. Things that's been established when baseball, baseball started what, in the late 18, 1800s. So a lot of these unwritten rules are like very, very, very old, correct? A absolutely. They're, they're, they're rooted deep in tradition. Um, as I think we've talked about off air before, um, people were actually upset when they started doing replay in baseball right? Because they said that the umpire is part of the human element of the game. So you shouldn't be able to review home runs. You shouldn't be able to, uh, you know, review uh, plays at first base or, or things like that. And I'm thinking to myself, but isn't it more important to get it right? right. You know? So I don't want to get away from your greater point, but yes, they, it's very deeply rooted in tradition and very deeply rooted in a lot of times, I think, uh, just stubbornness. Yes. And I get it. I, I get it. I get it. You want baseball to remain, I guess, as pure as possible. But um, it's 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 freaking 2020, bro. Like, 
like you said, like the leads, they have given up bigger leads in the past and you have an opportunity to bury your opponent. What team is it going to take that opportunity? And I can't think of a sport where a team isn't going to take that opportunity to do so. You know what I'm saying? So him doing that, like I applauded a hundred percent. I hope he gets to do it again, honestly. Like oh, I, hope, I, I hope it's another situation when they're up. I hope it's even more runs up. There are 10 runs this time. And I hope the bases get loaded. I hope he fucking swings that shit and knocks it 500 feet. You get a chance to bury it because I've seen it happen before. Like teams come back from big leads and not just in baseball, but any sport. So you get a team, a chance to put a team away permanently, no matter when it is like you take that opportunity. And I don't think he should have to, I seen that he had to do an apology about it. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this is what we're teaching. Like, yo, you got to apologize for being great. I don't like that is ridiculous. Yeah, and like, come, like the whole the rhetoric that you, you, like the unwritten rules and things of that nature. There, there's some of them I can understand. All right, but like, come on, bro. Like, come I, on. I was literally gonna say the same thing right before you said it. There are some that I understand. Right, you're up ten runs. You don't necessarily have to steal a base on a team. Right. right? You you hit a home run. You don't have to stare down the pitcher, and you don't have to do the bat flip and all of that stuff. Now. I happen to think that that's very entertaining. I think that's exactly what baseball needs to get back to being America's pastime, right? This is a sport that used to be called America's pastime. And now, you know, it's going down, you know, second, now third, and close to being fourth in the ratings next to things like MMA and some of the other sports that are out there now. So uh, this is a sport that's losing popularity for these, these very reasons. Uh, uh, (laughs) People are moving more and more towards this instant gratification world where, you know, Things that are boring, uh, they're not uh, they're not exactly in in prime position right now. In baseball, to the you know the casual fan, when there's not guys out there having fun, when they're not scoring a lot of runs, when they're not you know doing the bat flip and getting excited, it can be a little bland to watch. I'll admit that, even as a baseball you know pseudo purist here as I am, it, it's it, it can be difficult to watch on a Tuesday afternoon. Two teams that are terrible sitting there on with a, with a one, nothing <laughs> score after, you know, three hours of baseball. Right? right. So I can understand some of it where, you know, you don't want to be showing people up. You don't want to be doing the bad flips. I can understand that. Uh, I don't agree with it, but I can at least understand it with uh, a player at bat though. What during the at bat, you're supposed to do something that helps the other team stay in the game. I, right. I don't understand that even a little bit. I will never be on board with that. I, I don't even, I don't even understand it, to be honest with you. It's ridiculous. Man, I, I want more of the unwritten rule stuff to happen. Like, I want more, like you said, I want to see a batter just crush a pitch and then stare him down. Just stare the pitcher down like, yeah, bitch, I just did that to you. What you going to do about it? I want to see the bat flips. I want to see the trash talking. I want to see the stolen bases and whenever I want to see it all, man. Like, that will make it more interesting for me. I wish more teams would do that. I want to see more blowouts. Like I like you remember when the Patriots back was it 2007 when they'll be up by 40 points by halftime and they just come out and hang another 21 on you just because yeah like, yeah like I want to see that like why not like that, that turned them into that made that made the Patriots the most entertaining team to watch because I fucking hated them but I was not going to miss an opportunity to watch one of their games because I'm hoping that they lose but they're kicking everybody ass. And then when they finally got their asses beat in the Super Bowl, that was like the most joyous football moment for me because of everything that led up to that. I want more of that. I want more villains. Like yeah, yeah. villains, if you don't have a good 
movie, you don't have a good, like anything without a great villain. Like a great villain is always there and I want to see more of it. That's just me. That's just me. I know it sounds very ignorant maybe, but hey, from a casual baseball fan, I want to see more of that personally. No, it's exciting, man. It is it is exciting to watch. And, you know, you, you can put it in perspective. Like, what if this was other sports, right? What if this was boxing? What if back in the day, you know, they say, oh, you got a guy on the ropes, you shouldn't swing on him, right? That's that's like an exact analogy for what we're talking about here. You got exactly. a team on the ropes. The bases are loaded. You're up seven runs already. They're on the ropes. Okay, uh, you know, you don't swing at this pitch. How about, okay, you don't take a swing at the other boxer in the ring because he's on the ropes and you're, you're already up in points. You've already won the first 10 rounds, right? You've dominated this guy. So you're just going to let him go. No, you, you finish him, right? Yep. You go after him even harder at that moment. You try to put him away. Um, you know, so any other sport where, where they would talk like this uh, would just, you'd just be laughed out of the room. Mm-hmm. So the fact that baseball is still clinging to these, you know, bygone era of, you know, of conduct and, uh, you know, just this gentlemanly conduct that they try to display. I think it's just, it's, it's absurd. And, and like you said earlier, man, if you don't want it to happen, stop it. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Fucking pitch Play better. better. Right? Exactly. Play better. Yes, Play better. Exactly. It's that's, as simple as that. That's the simple that's solution the thing. to all of it. When, when something's, when something's out of your control, right. Okay. Like a guy, you know, flipping a bat or, you know, uh, you know, staring you down stuff like that, whatever. That is what it is. Right. You can, you, we can have a discussion about that, but when it's something that, it's an athletic thing and you're don't groove a fastball on three Oh pitch better. Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I, you it sounded like some real crybaby shit to me. Exactly, man. Exactly. But you know, nonetheless, fun to talk about. I'll give you that. It's, it is. It is fun. And uh, man, shout out to Fernando, man. You ain't got to apologize for shit, bro. Be great. Yeah. Just be you, man. It's awesome. I love seeing him. He plays with energy. He's awesome. He's it's an awesome. Yeah. Player. It's great, He's a cool great looking up. dude. He got yeah. the dress. He got the, the the bleach of the dress at the tip of him, man. He's a yeah. look, good looking kid. Yeah, he's yeah. uh he's he could be the face of the face of baseball, and instead he's taking shit because because of what? Not because of something that he did outside. Not because of some domestic violence thing. Not some bad news that he created. Not some rift with his teammates. No, what did he do? He played too well. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what are you, he's too good at baseball. He hit he hit the ball too far. He he hurt the other team's feelings. What a joke. <laughs> What a joke. Oh, boy. So I am uh, I am proud to uh, now introduce, um, I'm going to let you lead into this one because it's our, it's our last topic that we had queued up for the day. And uh, whew, this one must, at least in, in some way, I mean, he hasn't been like a, a long-term player on one of your favorite teams, but he is a guy that's been around for a couple of years now. And uh I'm of course talking about Earl Thomas and the the recent drama coming out of Baltimore and a very un Baltimore like uh, unceremonious ending to a Baltimore player's uh, time there. So what what do you think about Mr. Earl Thomas suddenly being booted from your Baltimore Ravens? All right, so I'm gonna lay out the whole the whole frame with this thing here for you. I'm gonna start from the very beginning here, Ruder. Okay. So we signed Earl Thomas last year and uh, we kind of stole him away from the Chiefs. He was originally going to go to the Chiefs. We called him last minute, offered more money. He came to Baltimore. All right, cool. And this is a time period where we lost CJ Mosley. So we needed a different impact player. We cut what we let Mosley go. So we signed Earl Thomas to come be that guy. All right. Ever since he's been a Baltimore Raven, it never felt like he was a Baltimore Raven. Okay. 
And what I mean by that, he, like, first of all, just talking about his, his play on the field. Um, I think when people talk about Earl Thomas, they think of the Seattle days, the Legion of Boom days, where he was probably one of the top 10 defensive players in the league at that point. Would you agree? I would say I'd give him higher praise than than top 10. I'd say he's probably top five. I mean, you're talking one of the most legendary secondaries of all time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, players that um, uh, that are going to be legend, that Super Bowl winning defense led by a secondary. I mean, how cool is think about every other great defense you've ever heard. It's always like some the front seven. Know, yeah. Uh, you know, um, some some monster in the middle. Right. <laughs> that's that's doing damage there. And this this defense was led. Uh, by a secondary, uh, Richard Sherman at the time, I mean, my, if there was ever a shutdown corner that just locked down an entire side of the field mixed with Cam Chancellor and um, Browner and, and Earl Thomas at the center of it. Earl Thomas, I, for my money, was still the best player in that secondary, as good as Richard Sherman was. So he made it go. He, he, he was he, a beast. He was that deep, uh, that cover three safety that, that covered up all the mistakes in the back end. He, he definitely made that shit go. So when I, when I think Earl Thomas, and I think when most people think Earl Thomas, they think of him in that that Seahawks jersey. But so I'm going to agree with you and and let you continue. So all right, so when people think of Earl Thomas, they think of that version of him. He was not that in Baltimore, like at all. And I get it. He's older. He's a little bit longer in the tooth. He came to us. He's just turning 30 years old. So I wasn't expecting that, but I was expecting a little bit of a better player. And he first of all. His effort on the field was subpar on a lot of different things. Okay. Um, I remember specifically, this was a uh, week three, four, week four. It was week four against the Cleveland Browns where uh, Cleveland, it was a back and forth game. And we scored a touchdown to be down by like seven against Cleveland. And then on Cleveland's next possession, uh, Chubb breaks off a fucking 88 yard run and kind of put it away. And on that play, Earl Thomas uh, in pursuit of Chubb just gave up, just gave up running after him and let him go and score the touchdown. And then after the game in the presser, he said that, Oh yeah, you know, I've been in that situation before. I'm not about to blow a hamstring. And at the time it rubbed me the wrong way, but I was like, you know what? He's a veteran. He knows what he's talking about. I'm going to go ahead and let that rock. You know what I'm saying? Before that game, when we was talking about the, we, before we played the Kansas City Chiefs, this motherfucker gets on the, on the camera talking about some, well, yeah, they brought me in here to stop all those big plays that the Kansas City Chiefs are going, uh, have been doing over the past couple, uh, this past season and this year. So, uh, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And then sure enough, Kansas City comes out and hangs over 500 yards on us. And he was mostly at fault for that dumb shit because he gave up a couple of big plays. All right. Um, another example in the fucking playoff game against the Tennessee Titans, he goes and opens his fucking big mouth again. Oh uh, yeah. It looks like uh, the Patriots players didn't want to go and tackle Derrick Henry. And now you're a fucking walking meme because you're the lead blocker of Derrick Henry. Yeah. You know exactly the play I'm talking about. Ruder. Like I mentioned that play and everybody knows what I'm talking about. So this dude, he comes in, he runs his mouth, and he doesn't do nothing. He doesn't really produce on the field. I and mean, he had a subpar season. I think two interceptions, uh, you know, a couple of sacks here and here, and, you know, made a couple of tackles. But his impact was not really felt on the field for how much money that Baltimore was paying him. They gave him $20 million guaranteed signing bonus, I believe. <coughs> Excuse me. So then um, the reports come out in the locker room that he's a terrible locker room presence. He's was consistently late for meetings. He didn't understand the playbook a lot of times and lined up out of position, which made a lot of sense for a lot of the big plays that we was giving up earlier in the season. Um, he was consistently uh, uh, 
uh, getting with like little bickering matches with other players on the defense. Like he got into a, a whole altercation with one of the biggest players on our defensive line and Brandon Williams, who was ready to beat his ass. Like the dude got you by over damn near 250 pounds. And you want to pick a fight with him? What are you doing? So then it kind of culminated. Um, everything kind of came together in this, in our, in our training camp where he got into a dispute with our starting safety, Chuck Clark and Chuck Clark was heated at him because he had a blown coverage in practice. Instead of being where he's supposed to be, he blitzes and gets beats for a touchdown. Cluck Chuck chewed his ass out about that. What was going on? Earl Thomas thinking that he's bigger than everybody else and bigger than the team kind of just nonchalantly just waved him off. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever the fuck you talking about, get out my face. Chuck Clark was like, well, maybe if you stop being a, such an asshole and actually come to team practices and actually read your playbook and do the meetings and not be late for meetings, you'll know where to be, which resulted in Earl Thomas feeling offended, feeling some type of way and going and punching Chuck, uh, Chuck Clark. Teammates jump in to back Chuck Clark. Earl Thomas is sent home. And he's told to stay home from that point. And it got to the point where the leaders of the Baltimore locker room, these are the players. These are not just the coaches. These are not coaches. These are not the GMs. These are the actual players that's in the trenches with this man. Decide, yo, this dude is toxic as hell. We don't want him around here no more. We're tired of his shit. Get rid of him. And Baltimore, sure enough, follow suit and cut his ass. And I 100% agree with it. I 100% applaud my franchise for doing that. No player is bigger than this team, especially a subpar safety at this point in our secondary who doesn't fit our scheme, who didn't buy in. Get the fuck out of here. We don't want that shit. Go to Cleveland. Go to Dallas. Go be their problem. We don't want to deal with no more. Shout out to my Baltimore Ravens, man. That's that's a, that's an absolutely great summary of the things that happened. And uh, you said, you know, right before you started there, you said you were going back to the beginning with all of this. And I think you, you laid that timeline out there beautifully for his time uh, with the Ravens. Uh, what, what stands out to me with this is it's, it's just a shame. Cause I remember him as just a, you know, Richard Sherman was, was the bad guy. You know what I mean? Richard Sherman was one whose, whose mouth was just always running and on display with the Seahawks. And Earl Thomas was just the quiet leader that just, you know, led by example, that just led by his play on the field. And he, he was dominant. And then at some point uh, there was this, I hate to even say it, but this Antonio Brown like turn that, that he took uh, there was that situation, the way his career with the Seahawks ended, you know, one of what should be one of their most storied and historic players uh, who should go down on their ring of fame or wall of fame, whatever they've got out there and say the 12th man, whatever that wall is that they have out there, he should be on it. Right. And the last image in a Seahawks Jersey that you're going to see is him being rolled out with an injury and flipping his coach and some of his teammates off, you know, giving them middle fingers. Right. Uh, so there's that. And then there's the way in which the, like you said, he was swooped away from the chiefs by an offer at the last second. And he, he didn't kind of show any remorse about that or, you know, his any apologies to the the Chiefs? It was just well, you know, I've it was something like I, I snapped up that money real quick, you know. Uh, shortly after that, there was the incident with his wife. We didn't even talk about that. I forgot all his, about that. Yeah, his he, wife pointed the was pointing the gun at him, and that was a whole big, you know, TMZ drama and all this kind of stuff where that kind of spiraled yeah. spiraled out of control. And it's like at some point, I don't know whether it's some of these guys they get paid and then they just lose their mind, or I, I don't know exactly what transpires, but this was. For me, this was just kind of a sad one, you know, and uh, I'm interested to see where, where he goes now. And like you said, with um, slightly diminished skill set, um, I mean, he got 
torched for some big plays. Yes. Here, which is very un-Earl Thomas-like. Very consistently. Uh, and uh, it makes you wonder if all those years in, in Seattle, if maybe he was, you know, by, you know, condition of the unit, if he was maybe a little overrated there, it's hard to say. Again, he's maybe, you know, we're all losing a step, man. I mean, you're going to be 30 soon. I've already crossed that threshold. We're all losing a step, buddy. But That's a fact. But uh, I don't know if it's just that or if it's maybe a, a combination of the two, but I'm interested to see where he goes. Uh, do you, any, anywhere where you do see him as a fit? I mean, I know he doesn't sound like he's uh, too high on your your Christmas list here. I don't think he's going to be receiving anything from Bryce this year, but uh, where do you think he could end up? <laughs> um, honestly, bro, I don't know. Because think about this, and these, I've read this on several different reports. There are several different team officials who were shocked that he couldn't work it out with the Baltimore Ravens because the one thing about the Baltimore Ravens franchise where like this franchise is, is, is one of the, the model franchises in the NFL, the way that they conduct their business and the way that players respond with playing for this franchise is, is first class all the way. Okay. Um, so for you not to be able to make it with this franchise, it's sort of like the Antonio Brown situation. Like you said, Antonio Brown couldn't make it with the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the model franchises in the NFL. So then what franchise can work? Can you, can, uh, can you work with what, like, you know, you're going to go to a Cleveland Browns franchise who, you know, they just lost their safety, uh, they safety Delpit for the season with an Achilles, but you want to bring that type of toxicity to that franchise. Who's been the, the, the epitome of shit since they've been in the league. Okay. Um, the Dallas Cowboys, Maybe that's the team there. You know, Jerry Jones is always looking for headlines. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure if they was on hard knocks, they probably would have swooped them up right away because that would have been great content for TV. But uh, maybe he makes it out with that franchise. That's like probably like the only team I could think of that um, he could go to. But even they were saying like there's been reports that they don't want nothing to do with him. The Atlanta Falcons, his former coach, his former defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, the head coach of the Falcons said, no, we're good at safety. You know, I don't want nothing to do with them either. So there's just several teams that are already saying that, listen, you couldn't make it work in Baltimore, one of the model franchises in this, in this league. Why would I think you could come here and be any different? You know what I'm saying? He got his money. It seemed like, you know, maybe he doesn't care about football anymore. You know, the man, like he was late for a practice router one time because he said he had to go and wash his damn car. Like what type of example, who, like what type of example is that? Who wants that around their young players? Like, you know what I'm right. saying? Like, like, that's ridiculous, bro. That is ridiculous. So the, the, the most recent fight was with, was with Chuck Clark, right? Who's a younger player. Chuck Clark. He's uh he, he, we drafted him in 2017 and we recently gave him an extension and he's one of the leaders of not only our defense, but he's one of the leaders of our f- overall team. He's a highly respected player on our team. And I think he's going to be getting more clout, once he started to make bigger splashes, because he just became a starter last year when Tony Jefferson got hurt and he was really, really good. So expect him to see his name pop up a lot more. And uh, yeah, he got into a fight with him because Chuck called him out on his shit and he was dead ass right. And then uh, when he tried to pick a fight with him, the whole team rallied behind Chuck, the whole team rallied behind Chuck. And this would led to the demise of him ultimately being in Baltimore. When I, uh, when I look at a lot of these things, you know, the last thing that I kind of have to say about it is I, I love Love, love, love listening to the opinions of uh, former players on this. And I don't think anybody put it better than, than Ryan Clark. Uh, I don't know if you saw what he said about it, but I did. 
uh, it was, I thought it was put so perfectly. It's like, first of all, when you see these fights, right? If Baltimore wanted any semblance of keeping this guy, right? Keeping Earl Thomas around, they could have. There are fights in every single training camp, right? Some that, that the team keeps quiet, right? That's that, that's hush-hush that stays within the team, first of all. Right. So if this got out, the Ravens wanted this to get out. They might have been looking to move on from him in his $34 million contract anyway. Right. Okay. So on top of that, he said, oftentimes these fights, they don't occur within a unit. Right. So that was an interesting part of this that we haven't talked about. This is within the unit that's fighting. A lot of times you'll see guys, you know, these guys are battling for, um, you know, spots on the team. And, you know, you have a defensive lineman fighting with an offensive lineman because they've been throwing their bodies at each other for the last, you know, three hours and two a days and all this kind of stuff. Right. right? So there's some heated altercations there. But for a younger player to be able to, you know, dress down a player of Earl Thomas's stature and the things that he's done in the past and for have the, the, the team support him to have the team support Chuck Clark, you know, on top of the fact that normally these things don't get out and normally it's not within the unit. Uh, it just goes to show you, I think they, they were looking for a way away from this guy. And uh, I think you said it best. The team got together and they said, look, enough of your shit, man. It's you're, you're, you're not a fit here. Um, so it makes me wonder if there's, if there's a different type of fit out there. And whew, if there is, I don't, I don't know. Cause I don't think any teams nowadays, they want that, they're they're kind of steering away from those troublemakers exactly man it is getting to the point now where teams and um shout out to the two-point conversation uh matt johnson and guys they did an episode about this where they're talking about talent versus culture and it seems like nowadays teams are leaning more towards or towards the culture of their team as opposed to ignoring a lot of stuff that talented players would bring to their team you know, like you look at, think about in the past, like there's been plenty of players that have been head cases that teams will put up with because they're so good, such as Tara Owens, um, you know, in his locker rooms, you countless stories about him, nothing illegal off the field, of course, but just the stuff that went on in the locker rooms, he was there. Um, think about Antonio Brown, like Ryan Clark was one of the first people that said it like, yo, this dude is he's 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 a troublemaker in the making. And then we finally Don't see this blow guy. Up. Yeah, exactly. Hey, this guy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just talents, countless examples of talented players who who nowadays and in, in 2020 that teams aren't going to be putting up with no more. You know, like the, the NFL, like it's so advanced nowadays that you're signing. We're finding talented players not only in like the, the later draft picks, like fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, but then also undrafted free agents are coming in and making impacts. Like you have Philip Lindsay is a fucking undrafted running back go into a pro bowl his rookie season. So play teams are not going to put up with this anymore where they can go and find a comparable replacement for you for cheaper. And you know, it's something when you, they, they owe you guaranteed money and they don't even care. Like, yo, you got to get out of here, bro. Like we, we can't have you around here no more. They're, they're paying you to go away at that. Exactly. Yeah. Some Oswald shit. That's tough. And this is, this is <laughs> what got out. Right. I mean, and you saw, like you said, and, it makes me think even more about it. I didn't really think about until you said it, the fact that this is a kind of a, a put together, storied, well-run franchise. Uh, the, the parallels between this and the Antonio Brown case, I think are incredible because same thing there. Suddenly stuff started to get out, right? From, from Steelers camp where Antonio Brown, he's just, he can't get along with anybody. Can't mm -hmm. get along with his quarterback. Can't get along with other receivers. I mean, he was, he was talking trash about uh, Juju Smith Schuster, who at the time was a, a rookie receiver who happened to get some looks. And looked he was, him as a big, a big brother. He looked at yeah. Antonio Brown as a big brother. Yeah. And just 
just called him out. I thought that was just, you know, deplorable. And I see a lot of the same things going on with Earl Thomas here. And it's, it's, it's just a shame because these were two players that I, I really liked before. Antonio Brown was the model during yes. the periods where there, there were the T.O.s and the, the Ocho Cinco's and all these prima donna wide receivers, the classic antics that they were up to. And Antonio Brown was just kind of a shut up and play guy, mm -hmm. went out there and just dominated, right? And nobody worked harder. And he was the model on what to be. And he, he just went off the deep end. And I, I see the same thing happening here. And I'm, I'd be willing to bet. And I, I you know, I, I hate to think it or say it or wish it on somebody, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we heard some kind of further crazy story coming from, from Earl Thomas's uh, inner circle there. Bro, when he posted the play online, you want to talk about unwritten rules, bro. That just what is wrong with you? Yeah. You don't take a practice play and put it on Instagram for everybody to go see to go. To, oh, well, well, I guess we put it all out here. This is a play that will happen. Like, what is you doing? Like that was the final straw. Like at that point, oh, you gotta go. You putting our plays online now, bro. Yeah, you gotta go. It's, it's over. You gotta go. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah so, man. I don't feel no empathy for him. I don't feel no sympathy for him. Like, I'm glad he's gone. Um, we got a young safety in Deshaun Elliott who he's been hurt the last couple of years and uh, finally he's going to get his opportunity. And uh, from what I've seen in practice, man, he we're, we're, we're good. We're good in Baltimore. Good luck to anybody else that signs Earl Thomas. But uh, that's all I can say. I'm done. That's it, huh? It's over. Yeah, yeah I'm done with that. So <laughs> yeah, that's about it. You got anything else that you want to add? No, man, I think I think that's really it. Um, you know, I, I thought this was, uh, you know, kind of a fun time, uh, as you mentioned, uh, from a distance here today, uh, still enjoyable hanging out with you here. Uh, just online, I guess we I, can people hang out online now. I think I guess that's what we do, right? I mean, yeah, all, pretty all, much. Yeah, um, so I, only thing I we miss right now is as I can't see you. Cause you, right. you don't have the webcam, but you're uh, not missing anything there, man. I'm telling you, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's nothing good to see on this side. I, I promise you that, but I think, uh, you know, kind of a, a lot of fun for me today. We got to speak kind of seriously for a moment towards the beginning, kind of some, some heaviness behind the conversation, but it was a good one, man. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, then kind of moving into a little cu couple of current events there. And, uh, I, I had a great time today, man. I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too, man. And, um, for everybody listening, we appreciate you for listening and uh, yeah, hopefully this 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 uh, episode kind of sheds some light, and um, hopefully you guys take something away from this. Uh, we're gonna have you know we're gonna be going back to our more lighthearted episodes and the different like quirkiness. And I've been thinking I've been cooking some things up in the in the kitchen, Ruder. So I'm gonna be uh, throwing oh, some ideas at you and see if they stick or not. So what uh, people don't know is is Bryce cooks these things up. And that's all well and good, but then I've got to taste them. You know yes, what I mean? So you're in there cooking with with weird stuff, weird food combinations, weird that's stuff that you're cooking. You're always got something that you're throwing at me. Uh, I I do hope to see some some cool stuff on on our social media presence soon. Yes. So you know, please check us out, Bryce. You know how to do do your thing, man. Plug all of our good stuff and let them know what's coming. Yeah. So go and like our Facebook page, please. Uh, Sports Your Enthusiasm Sports Podcast, right on Facebook. If you are on Twitter, and I know. All of you listening right now are damn near on Twitter. Go and follow us on Twitter. We need more followers because we barely got none. SYE pod. Um, also, man, go and uh, go watch us on the go listen to us on the Push Start Media Network, pushstartmedianetwork.com. And that's like that's our platform. And uh, you know, go and download our episodes. All of our previous past episodes are on there. So you can go check them out. Um, what am I missing? Email us, email us, uh, Gmail, uh, 
sports enthusiasm podcast at gmail.com. Email us any questions, email us how you feel about this episode. Uh, give us some suggestions for future episodes, all that good stuff. Price, um, did you know that you can listen to us on Spotify? Did you know that? I did because you, I have it oh, set you up that way. That. Yeah. Oh, you set it up that way. Well, of yeah. course, then I guess. But for anybody who didn't know, Spotify, just search sport your enthusiasm and you can hear me. On, on Spotify. How fun like, is that, just, right? Just like strictly Ed. Like I'm not right. part of no episodes on Spotify. It's just him talking. I guess I should have said us there, huh? <laughs> you could hear you could hear us. You can see you see where my narcissism was kicking through. I was thinking about myself there. Hey, I respect it, man. You, you can hear both of us. You can hear both of us on Spotify. And then also I, I was excited about me though. You could also listen to us on any <laughs> really any music streaming platform, uh podcasts and Google iTunes and Google Podcasts, all of them. That we're all we're literally on every single platform you can find. Literally. Yeah, but Bryce, Spotify though. I feel like I've made Spotify. it. Spotify. Right? We're on Spotify. That's where I listen to my music. So I could hear myself on there. It's it's crazy. And we live in a crazy world. Hey, maybe one day we get a Spotify deal. That's right. I'm, I'm with dope. it. That'd be I'm real dope. It. We're gonna put a little uh, little Spotify icon in the corner of all of our stuff. That'd be dope. Sponsor brought to you by Spotify. That'd be dope. That'd be real dope. I'll plug them. I just did for free. I'll do <laughs> free it for plugs. free. Free plugs. Um, that's it, man. Uh, you already know at the end of this, Ruda, what's my saying? Uh, we gotta stay hydrated. Drink more water. Yes, sir. And we're gonna wrap it up there. Thank you for listening. You guys take care. Thank you.